Hi everyone, this is Future Dylan from Straight People Movies, coming at you from the future. I uh, just wanted to give you a little editor's note about the audio quality of this week's episode. Um, the audio was haunted by one of the internet ghosts in the Japanese movie Pulse this week. Uh, so there's a lot of weird cuts, a lot of weird fades. Um, it is listenable, it is legible, it is understandable. But if you're like, hmm, why does Kirk seem to disappear into the bottom of the ocean? That's because I threw him off the Titanic to go find the heart of the ocean for me. Um, but yeah, just wanted to give you a heads up. If you're like, man, this is weird, just know we know too. Enjoy the episode. As an Apple Music user, I just got uh-huh. access to lossless, honey. Oh, girl. And I've been listening to my nice headphones. Ooh. And um, I wonder, like, cert, like I listened to some Ride. Speaking of Ride, mm-hmm. I listened to some Ride's Nowhere lossless, and it was just like, whoa. <laughs> so I, I wonder if, like, the kind of more, because I feel like the problem with metal for me is it's so, like, on the higher end. Yeah. It's, like, so, like, screeching, and there's, like, yeah. no, like, low end, except for, like, the drums going, yeah. <laughs> that maybe in nice headphones, lossless, I could really appreciate it. Yeah. I think you, know. you might like uh, like Wolves in the Throne Room. Oh, I've actually listened to them a little yeah. bit. And I I liked it. It's the the they're vocals lush. freak me out. They yeah. just freak me. Like I know that, that that's what they're supposed to do, yeah. but it's like it's it's unsettling. <laughs> I, um, I feel that I feel being that. like vibing out, and being like, oh, this is kind of cool, and then you hear, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Now, tame talk, talk, Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Welcome hello. back. We're back. It's Straight People Movies, bitch. It's the podcast where each week we two gays explore movies straight people love, and we just ask, why? Why? That's it. Yeah, that word, yeah like, that's good, right? That's, mm, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough wise. We're fine. Why? Well... <laughs> So to, to, today we're kind of I, I I feel like we're switching gears a little bit here. We are. Wait, who are we? We're, yeah, I don't know. Who are I'm, we? I'm Dylan, and I'm Kirk. Just kidding. We're no, just kidding. I'm Kirk, and I'm Dylan. Uh, <laughs> lost and confused right now as the movie that we're watching this week. Oh, girl, we're watching a classic. The Citizen Kane of bad movies. The Citizen Kane of bad movie. The best worst movie. Although of, all, of all time. Of all time. Although Best Worst Movie is technically in reference to Trolls 2, but whatever. Right. Oh, have you seen that documentary? I, it, I haven't seen the documentary, but it has seen Trolls 2. People I know from high school were in it. Oh, fun. Are they yeah. the Trolls? They hated me, though, so. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think that after last week doing The Great Gatsby, which was our first, like, actual, like, Rotten Tomato movie, which we didn't really get to go into too much. Yeah. But, oh yeah, we didn't. But, but you know, it, it's our first, I guess, objectively, if we're talking about critical acclaim here, objectively, mm-hmm. our, our, the worst movie we've done. And I thought, let's just push it in the, let's just keep going. Let's go negative. Let's, let's go negative bad. Let's go so bad, it's good. The oh straightest concept that's been invented about movies <laughs> in the last 20 years. <sighs> oh, baby. If you haven't guessed yet, we are doing yeah. You are my rose, you are my rose. Man, 
what a, a psychotic movie to watch by yourself. Yeah, I, I I would like to let everybody know that's listening to this. Um, you should only watch this at Alamo Draft House mm-hmm. or with friends when you're drunk. You cannot yes. watch this as research. No, for a podcast. No, you. Will I go feel insane. insane right now. Yeah, this is like if, I feel like we watched the Ring videotape like 55 times in a row. Literally, we watched a movie called Pulse last night, and I feel like one of the characters from that movie right now. <laughs> no, I'm just taping up my house with some red tape right now. Girl, the Girl. ghosts are coming for us. Coming. Tommy Wiseau, bitch. <laughs> oh, you know she's haunted as fuck. Dude, you know she's run away from something. Oh, yeah, she's killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I like. I read that book, The Disaster Artist. And you I did? Like, yeah, I want to get it out of the way. Um, I know with this week and last week where I talked about how I read The Great Gatsby, this insinuates that I am some sort of reader. I am not. Yeah, we don't read. We don't you, read. You listen to an audio book, right? No, yeah, I listen. Oh, no, I did read it. <laughs> I oh, wow. And then um, I, the last audio book I listened to was The Goldfinch. Um, but I think the last like novel, actual novel, novel, because the Disaster Artist, if you don't know, it's like the it's the Greg Sestero's book about the making of the room. Um, Greg Sestero is like the co male lead in this movie. Uh, but the last book I read, and I promise I'm not doing a bit, but it was Annihilation. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, Dylan! I know. Well, it's okay. <laughs> and I read because... it before the movie. So, so you're you're plugging Annihilation. I'll just plug Mishima Life in four chapters again. There we go. Because <laughs> I just finished reading today, Confessions of a Mask. Which, how how'd you like the ending of it? How'd you um, like it? I loved it, but it was like it's yeah. it's really it's so funny. I feel like this happens to me a lot. Like when I watch movies with like gay or queer themes in them with straight people, I feel like I'm always like, oh yeah, well like obviously that's how this was going to end. And I feel like my straight friends are always like really confused. And I'm like, oh, like it really is like being a gay man is a very specific experience. And I feel like reading Confessions of a Mask was so funny because I'm sure it was very like shocking and subversive and provocative (laughs) when it came out and (laughs) is to people still. But I was reading it and I was like, yeah, no, of course this is like, what would happen? Yeah. He just ends up being miserable for the rest of his life because he can't ever want to fuck a girl. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, obviously. N- Did you think that he was going to be able to convince himself to want to fuck a girl? No, Straight no. reader? No. No. Did any of y'all, y- all y'all lied and you said you watched Call Me By Your Name. Y'all just watched the trailer and listened to the Sifion song. Yeah, I really don't believe that any of my straight friends watched Call Me By Your Name. No, I, I, I think don't. they watched the first, like, 15 minutes of it, jerked off secretly to <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, and then turned it off. Yeah, they were like, Mafalda, yes. And they jerked off to Mafalda. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, it's, it's, so it's really, it, it, yeah. Well, anyway, so that, that, that's, I'm a, re- I read we, now. You read, yeah. You and read. I'll read something else in six months, like I always look, do. Look, I read 33 and a third books. <gasps> I've never read one of those, but I like, Ooh. we like have a couple in the house. I should probably read They're them. fantastic. Um, friend of the pod, Harrison, got me some for Christmas one year. Oh. It was so nice. Cute. Um, but we're not talking about books. Yeah, we're talking about the opposite of a book, honey. The, girl, this is this barely had a screenplay, bitch. This girl, movie. my favorite thing about the room that's like very specific, I think, is I think that people say, "What are you talking about?" At least a hundred times in the movie, they say, "What are you talking about?" They They're like, "What? What are you okay. talking about? What, what are you talking, talking about? about? No, what are you talking about? What are you talking about?" 
Um, the, the thing about the movie that's so great is that he does the thing that um, you do in high school whenever you got to pad out um, your essay where you add a bunch of extra spaces. Everything is double spaced. Everything's at like 15 point font because a good quarter of the movie is establishing shots. I know my favorite thing. Oh my God about that. Like, I'm so glad you brought it up is when it would be like a scene in the apartment and then it's like later in the day or maybe another day or something. And then it just shows the apartment again. It's like, we know we're already here, we're Tommy. Already here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. It's and I really love the beginning sequence when it's like a bunch of series of like San Francisco. But I feel like some of the shots were not from San Francisco. I oh feel like- no, it's some of it's from LA. It's, it was from LA. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good because it's, so it's, it's like brilliant because it's like it's like we're like it's spaceless it's timeless yeah it's like I mean the room it exist. exists the the titular room exists out of time right because there's not a really a specific room you know there's no. the bedroom there's the living room there's the mm-hmm. rooftop yeah there's the alleyway yeah there's, there's the flower uh, shop the flower shop <laughs> I think there's we named every location oh yeah. the diner the diner there's uh, Golden Gate Bridge the Golden Gate Bridge there's the Disney store the Disney store that's right I that's saw that too. <laughs> I was like, oh, Disney. Hmm. Disney, hi. Interesting. Hi. This is in the MCU. This is technically our first MCU movie. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, uh, he was finally caved. Lucky. He finally caved. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it, it, you know, before we delve too much into it, I mean, it's like, it, it, it's, I mean, like, what do you, what, so what do you, <laughs> what do you think about this movie? <laughs> um... <laughs> Let me do the plot description of this stuff real quick before we let's because yeah I let's gotta, we'll just have to dive into it because it's like we'll, what we'll, feelings about it. this movie are irrelevant. Yeah, they're irrelevant. It's beyond. So today we're discussing the 2003 film The Room, and it was directed, written, and starring Tommy Wiseau and also Juliette Daniel, Greg Sestero, Philip Haldeman, and Carolyn Minot. 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 Queen. I don't know how anyone. None of these people. None of their links are blue on Wikipedia. Uh, except for the guy who played Chris R, who is Dan Jangajan. Who? What? Dan Jangajan. Jangajan. Is that the... Dan J-A-N-J-I-G-I-A-N. Jangajan. <laughs> Dan Jangajan. I feel like I'm in the room right now. <laughs> I feel insane. Okay, anyway, um, so the plot of the room. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I initially just put uh, Lamal, but let's see if I can get this. Let's see if I'm missing anything. Okay. So Johnny is a banker engaged to Lisa. Lisa is trying to break into the computer business, but it's too competitive. She's having an affair with Johnny's best friend, Mark. Lisa wants to break up with Johnny because he's boring. There are random people who come in and out of their apartment, including the cu- a couple that fucks, a psychologist, uh, Lisa's mother, and their child neighbor. Eventually, Johnny catches wind of the cheating and kills himself. It, it, it's so funny because it's like he he catches wind of the cheating like 30 minutes into the movie. Oh, <laughs> and it just, I guess it needed to fester for a little bit before yeah, he, he really... Needed, he was in shock. He went, he went to a fugue state and was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. I know. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> what a fucking movie. This is. It really is. So what really is your is. history with The Room? Well, it's one of those things where I don't even remember exactly when I first saw or heard of this movie. I think that somebody, probably a straight guy friend of mine, showed it to me. Yeah. And I was high. Yep. <laughs> and I... 
you know, and that's, you know, that's, that's it. it. That's it. It's like, it's really like watching like an infomercial at three o'clock in the morning on Quaaludes. Yeah. Of a movie. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I remember, I remember specifically, and I, I, I read about it in high school, um, which is only last year. Um, but I used to have, of course, I had an Entertainment Weekly subscription, like the, the, the Fage I am. Um, and I remember reading an article about like this movie in LA that's taking the world by storm over there, like the best worst movie ever. And there's screens that sell out, and so I like, bought the DVD of it. And I think this was around the same time that like it, it like I guess like the room's PR person was doing a lot of work because it was like that was whenever it started to get really big on Adult Swim, and they would like show it on April Fool's Day and shit like that. Um, but I bought the movie and I was like obsessed with it. And oh I used wow! To, like, yes, I was obsessed with it in high school. I used to work at a restaurant on like Friday and Saturday nights. And when I, there was one night that I like switched and didn't tell my parents. And so I drove to Houston to go to a screening of it. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was, cause I did that a couple of times. Um, but I, that I went to the same screening that a friend of the pod, Chris Martinez went to, we were both there at the same time. And I think this is in 2011 because this is actually whenever I met Tommy Wiseau. And I got his autograph, uh, an autographed copy of the room that the DVD is missing. I don't know where Wait, it is. I really didn't know that you were this big oh, stan of the movie. Mama, girl, I used to watch this. I like would show all of my friends this movie. And then whenever I moved to Austin, I would show all of my friends. I would go to every fucking draft house screening. I was so fucking into it. I tried whenever I lived in San Antonio, I tried to get them to play it and they wouldn't play it. I don't, they wouldn't listen to me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like a fuck. That's why I read the book. Cause I was like so obsessed with this movie that I was like, I have to know everything about it. Um, and then I saw the disaster artist, the movie, and I was like, that at first it just felt like a button at the end of it. I was like, okay, I'm done. I haven't seen it since we, since we've seen the disaster artist. Cause we saw it together, right? Yeah. Yeah. We all saw it. Our movie club saw yeah. it together. Um, um, and I, I truly hadn't thought about it after that. Like that was the last time I thought about that movie. Um, it's interesting because it's like I feel like that entire sensibility is like fully gone like that like adult swim like so bad it's good awkward humor uh, Tim and Eric is a thing of the past um, I think so I mean even when I like like when I talk to some of my younger friends about like comedy that I like I'm like oh yeah I used to like really like like Tim and Eric and like comedy bang bang when I was younger and yeah. I feel like they're always like what what I guess that like that whole era is like gone now like, yeah people don't care about like cringe and awkward anti-humor anymore i mean like i guess the closest is like i think you should leave my enemy um <laughs> but that's like louder than those shows like i think you should leave is definitely more like i mean those shows are like surrealist so this is like nonsensical i think you should leave and is very like off the wall yeah there's you like jokes I mean? there <laughs> yeah well i feel like you know tim and eric you know, you th when you think about it, you laugh, but it's not yeah. necessarily something that you like. No, well, this is very like antagonistic. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's intense. And I think the room, it, it's so interesting because it's like, it's not like the room. Do you think the room influenced that kind of humor, or is it just akin to that? I think it's yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I I don't think they beget each other, but I think if you were like in if you were like in LA in the early 2000s, you were looking out for weird shitty shit. Cause that was, cause everything was like so influenced by, uh, public access and like right. weird, like that's the, what's the, everything is awful. That like video editing thing that like, they like find old weird, like instructional videos in the eighties. Yeah. I guess the two thousands really was when that started. And I think it has to do with, right. It yeah. has to do with the fact that it was so much easier to like access. I mean, Alamo draft 
them becoming a thing like in Austin. I feel like they built their entire thing on that. Like it's mm-hmm. like even before movies started, before they became very curated and like making a futurette style. It was like before yeah. it was just like weird videos, like weird internet videos, weird PSAs yeah. from the eighties, like just kind of collecting all this like weirdo video shit. You yeah. know, there was this really cool thing I went to once at the draft house that was like, they're like, we found a box of old film reels that don't have labels. We're watching five of them. And it was like, I feel wow. like they would, they would not do that today. Like they would not, that's so out of the wheelhouse of like the draft house. Cause it's like, we're going to watch the Goonies. I, actually, they probably don't do the Goonies anymore. What's like, we're going to watch the last unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> People at that time period, like really like loved finding these like old wacky VHSs and being like, mm-hmm. how the fuck did this like weird movie get made? Who made it? What's the story? You know, the room was like the first movie that got made during that era. Yes. So like, maybe it felt exciting to people to be like, wow, like we are getting, it's like our Ed Wood, you know? Yeah, exactly. This is our plan nine from outer space. Like it's like people were so, well, it's like indirect lineage with, uh, mystery science theater 3000 mm-hmm. of like discovering B movies from the sixties and stuff. And yeah, I guess this is also kind of around the time of like, a reappreciating of like 80s slashers and once we got through with using all the slasher stuff that's never we got into like current day stuff because right. the 90s are still too close to be like referential about totally yeah it's a really weird i mean i mean we've discussed it before on the pod because i think you know obviously we grew up in the 2000s and that's mm-hmm. like a lot of the first things we saw but i feel like it was such a weird decade for movies yes. I feel like, and just media in general like there's just like a lot of really weird disparate things all going on at once yes that don't really coalesce into anything <laughs> um it is a mishmash like just like this movie mm-hmm. um i think this is like it i do think this is like the best worst movie though because the thing with like bad movies in general is that 99 percent of them are boring Right. And that's what makes them bad. This, like, it's not boring because it's, like, so, because it's so uh, off kilter that you can't, like, relax ever. It's really unsettling, this whole movie. I agree. Uh, I actually think it's, like, and I know people have said this before, but I feel like it's almost, like, accidentally Lynchian or something. Like, oh, yeah. It's so weird and, di- like, the tone is so off the whole badly done that it yes. almost feels accidentally brilliant and I think that's one of my favorite things about the movie that like Tommy was so really was trying to make like a great movie and now yeah. he like tries to play into the whole like oh actually like I was in on it the whole time like no he was not this was all I, yeah and I don't believe it either but I think it's really funny that he like pretends like oh yeah like I knew what I was doing like this yeah, is no. like yeah it's like it's a fever dream you well, know that's the whole like famous thing about the movie is that he like didn't know the difference between digital film and uh Film film so he just bought two cameras Like didn't even rent them he bought two cameras and shot the movie Simultaneously right Insanity and like everything was like in a Like a parking lot of the video storage Like place that they Rented from iconic I think one of my Favorite things about the disaster Artist movie was when it was revealed that the famous Alley scene where they play football or they Play catch is um well I guess that that's not the most famous football scene that's the one oh, yes. in their tuxedos but you get <laughs> one of the many football catch scenes in the film uh they like built an alley next to an it's alley so fucking funny that's amazing it's so funny it's not in the it's not in the movie but I'm pretty sure in the book it's like it's either the Fourth of July it's like there's like a patriarch or it's like nine eleven it's some sort of like patriarch holiday and Tommy Wiseau made everyone say the deck the Declaration of Independence. God. Um, because he's like very obsessed. Like he is an American. He is very like America macho. He wants to be like the American man. He wants to be 
Brando. He wants to be James Dean. Uh, that's why all of his big like dramatic scenes that he has more than like three words in are like just directly ripped from you know, know. Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> so good. It's so, so good. good. Yeah, it's the, so good. I mean, I know everyone knows this line, but that you're tearing me apart, Lisa, from. James Dean is just like incredible. It's really good. Yeah, I think it's a really fun movie to watch. Like I mean, we mentioned earlier, watching it alone is not <laughs> not ideal. My boyfriend sat in for like five minutes of it, and I had more fun in that five minutes while he was. Yes, there. that's because Alex sat down for a little bit, and like that's when we were like laughing and like having fun again. Because if you're like laughing by yourself in a movie, like you are truly like the Joker. Like it's like it is boring, but it's like it's it's boring if you try to watch it like as a movie. <laughs> if Why? you try to like do the thing that it is, but if you're watching this as sort of like artifact of like a collection of you know images and sounds, then you can watch it. Uh, but if you try to like focus on like oh I'm going to watch this like I am watching a movie you physically cannot like when yeah. you think of like ed wood and like all the classic bad movies it's like oh the famous like the mic dipping down like on yeah. the boom into the frame and like bad lighting and it's like bad the costumes, movie yeah yeah the movie is look fine i mean it cost six million dollars but you you can't tell no. but it still looks like you know a, a like a student made film or something like that mm-hmm. like everything's lit fine it looks fine there Sound is one really, fine you know there's one famous like blurring scene but it's like it's like little small things but like right it's like overall what the, the and i think that this is not the case for a lot of bad movies it's the screenplay and the acting that really stands out about yeah it. you because know it's all psychotic it's all martian yeah, it doesn't make it, it literally feels like you're watching a movie made by an alien that's researched mm-hmm. humans for a week. Yeah. It feels like a dream. Like it feels like literal dream logic. It's that's the David Lynchiest thing about that, it. That exactly. It's and that's what the weirdest thing about watching the movie is is you're kind of like is this brilliant? Like yes, yeah. it's not on purposely brilliant, but is it brilliant? No, I mean I think it's like it's the absolute value of a movie where it's like because it's so because because it's watchable that means that it's good. Like if you want it it does its job. Um, it's just people recontextualizing it, people like remixing it. Um, and by remixing it, I mean like making it a sort of group watch thing, a cult watch thing, a watch in a theater thing, make, adding sort of Rocky Horror style uh, callbacks to it. Like, if you grade it on that metric, then yes, it is a good movie. <laughs> there were like other movies in this time that like people, you know, trying to like chase the high of the room. Because when you watch The Room for the first time and you're just like, what the fuck is this? And, like, you're just so excited, like, saying, you've never seen anything like this before, so you try to find other bad movies. And then, like, the really big famous ones, like, Birdemic, which is so boring. If you've ever seen Birdemic, it is so fucking no. boring. See, that's, it's, the, yeah, that's the thing about me, though, is it's, like, yeah. I've never really been, and we're going to get into what makes this movie straight, and I think this is one of the things, is, like, I don't seek bad movies. Yeah. I feel like that's a really straight thing. It is. The only time, the only movie that I've seen that's been close to Birdemic, because like I used to watch, well, the thing also like I used to be really into trauma movies, and like, did you ever get into the trauma shit? What's that? No. It's like with the Toxic Avenger. It's where that comes from. It's very like eighties punk, like oh, like that kind of like gutter punk. Yeah. Uh, There's a really a really famous one called Surf Nazis Must Die. Um, It's about surfing Nazis. It's fantastic movie. Um, so like I was already kind of like primed because that was my, like, the best thing that's ever happened to me is whenever I worked at the Alamo Draft House in San Antonio to like work in a theater that's like not in a major city that's like not even the good one that's where all the weird shit comes I'm so grateful that that yeah um, yeah um, but the only movie that I've ever seen come close to the room in terms of like what the hell am I watching is there's this director named Neil Breen mm. who he I've heard, did I've heard of him 
his like most famous work is Faithful Findings. Oh uh, yeah, 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 which is yeah. psychotic. And that's a if you want, uh, if you're straight and you're like, I want more room, but I don't want to watch like Thanks Killing or whatever. Watch any Neil Breen movie. Start yeah, with he's Faithful kind Findings. of like the like he's like the Tommy Wiseau of like the 2010s. I feel yes, like. yes, yes, that's exactly him. But he hasn't gotten like discovered past like hobbyists yet. Right, it hasn't had like the kind of attention the room's gotten. Exactly. Um, let's see. Yeah, well, like, what, do you think there's anything like good about this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I do think there's something good about this movie. The score is good. The score is good. The score I mean, is it, great. It kind of does sound like the Legend of Zelda at certain parts, but like, who cares? The Legend of Zelda score he was is really popping good. off. This guy, like, he was he, really um, like he was giving Tommy was so the score to these Tennessee Williams play that mm-hmm. the movie wasn't. Yes, correct. I like all the sex music, and I, I, I love a corny R&B song. Yeah, what was with that, like, T-Boz song at the end of the movie? <laughs> is, that one, is that You Are My Rose? Is that one that is? <laughs> I don't um, know, but, like, I was like, damn, this sounds like T-Boz at T-Boz. the end. Oh, baby. <laughs> that, so, it's just T. We couldn't so get all or C. I'm glad that Tommy likes R&B. That's cool. I know. <laughs> yeah, Tommy loves Jodeci. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think that the people who play, I think a lot of the supporting people are really good. I think the you mom know, is you know, good. At the end of the day, it's like the acting's not actually even really that bad. I mean, Tommy yeah. was, was like, it's just on another planet. Yeah. It's but not the even acting, acting is more like the dialogue is just so badly mm-hmm. written. It like really, the I think the funniest thing about the movie for me is the whole thing feels like a really bad high school play. Yeah. Like it just feels like someone wrote a play and they put it on for literally like a theater class. It's not even like an official production. It's like, <laughs> a, like oh, like this is our final project for a theater class. Yeah. This is and what I I'm so play, you know. I'm so afraid of anything I ever put out in the entire world. Like if I ever put out anything that's like prepared besides like I'm not afraid of any improv shows anymore. I I'm really good. Um <laughs> I'm very good at improv. I don't have to worry anymore. Um but like if it's like a sketch or if it's stand up or whatever, I like I'm like, "Oh, am I going to be Tommy Wiseau?" Like is this like incomprehensible alien language? The the issue though, Dylan, is you could never be Tommy Wiseau because you're asking yourself these questions. Yeah. That- <laughs> Uh, good point. <laughs> and I wish I wish I was as delusional as him. Honestly, oh, like, same. it sounds great. Oh, it sounds so fucking nice. People delusional is so different than like gay people delusional. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like gay people delusional is like is Suzanne Stone from like To Die For. More of that, like I'm gonna take over the world. <laughs> I will do anything to get what I want. But I feel like gay, straight, like delusional, is so much different. It's like yeah. They're like they could be like just like the like it's like at least we make our, doll ourselves up. At least yeah. we like know that we have to like look the part. Like I feel like straight but, men that are delusional like are literally like, nah, this should be good enough. The thing is, is that it's like <laughs> you don't have to try it all. Gay people have the drive, but straight people will actually follow through with it. Thing for me, like just thinking about the movie as a whole, is it's like all these actors did this movie. They must have all known it was yes. crap the whole time. Yes, but they did it anyway because literally just like that scene from Bruno you mentioned about. Like, <laughs> Whatever, like parents are like, oh yeah, crucify my kid, whatever. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like actors will literally do anything. Like oh, they yeah, will do you're paying anything them, for a role. If you're getting a day rate, like they will do whatever. Who cares? I, I always think of that scene in uh in Girls, which I know girls stand are gonna get mad at me. Whenever she's like, I'm from New York, therefore I live in New York, therefore whatever I say is interesting. That's the kind of the same thing where it's like I've been in a movie. I don't care if it's the worst movie of all time. I've been in a movie and you haven't. Well, speaking of that, a lot of the actors like bank on the fact they were in this movie. I looked up, oh, yeah. um, like the girl who her entire career has been based on the fact that she's Lisa in the room. Like she's yep. like not embarrassed. She gets like a she's 
truly the most thankless part of this movie because it's like she the whole movie is about how she sucks about how she's a big old bitch uh, that doesn't love, love Johnny it. and then all of the callback stuff there's a lot of like callback things about like her body about her character and she is like it's both the the movie hates her and then also like the the tradition around the movie kind of hates her right I think that that's actually maybe the most like if we want to get like actually deep with it I think that's the most eye-opening thing about the movie is it's like you've got this a guy that's so delusional making a movie about his like innermost feelings apparently it's semi-autobiographical and all this shit Mm -hmm. and it's like I feel like we get like a little peephole into like what like straight men think about women like like just like without any like filter it's like this is what you think happened dude you really think that like this girl like dumped you and cheated on you because you're boring (laughs) That's amazing. It's fab. It's so fab. That part where he goes, uh, what does he say? It's like, in a minute, bitch. And like his like his accent like fully dropped. And I was like, you were just saving that bitch. It's so psychotic you? how everyone in the movie is like, you're amazing. You're such a good guy. Oh, my God, Johnny. Like, you're my favorite customer. Like, all that shit is so wild. It's but then so it's like, insane. And it's like, you're supposed to think that he's this good guy, I guess. So you're supposed to be like, it's supposed to be trying. Kills himself at the end. Yeah. The only good thing he does for her is like, he, he buys her flowers and a dress. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, it's a thousand flowers. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's so this good. movie's great. This movie is fantastic. Like, it is. It's great. And like I'm like literally high off of the movie. It's so like, much fun. It's so much fun to watch. I think Lisa is an icon. I, Legendary. Like I think that the the. Like, I think Julia did a great job. She, like, yes. she literally seen, by, not even scene to scene, within scenes, she has to like, completely <laughs> switch what is happening with her it character, is. and she makes it work, honey. Yeah, she, she makes does. it work. That, I love her. We love you. You oh are. Oh, my God. Queen. Okay, who is Denny? I know. <laughs> oh, my God. They explain it, kind of. Not. They don't explain it. He like literally that first scene where he shows up and he's like, "Can I watch?" Like I'm like literally like truly don't think that Tommy Wiseau's ever had sex with a woman oh, before. One hundred percent. I don't think he's had sex ever. No, with anyone. I think he's familiar with the word sex. I don't think he's That's even seen it. porn. I don't think he's seen porn either. I don't think he knows how to he's find. Only it. seen movies and he's never had sex. Yeah, he's only seen sex scenes from the sixties because he's like super into like all those like all those movies and like those sex scenes are just like nothing. It's incredible. Well, like I feel like that scene to me, like I, I, to me, this movie is just like it's like a psychological, uh, deep dive into Tommy Wiseau's mind. It's yes. like, it's like, do you think that you're? It's like, did did anyone watch? Because in your mind, you're like some young buck would just want to like learn from the. Like, what is going I on think here? So. I think or that's what's going on. He's just like so attracted to Lisa. He's like, I just want to watch Lisa be penetrated. It's so weird, but it's it, so it, weird. It, that and it sounds crude. No, at all. No. You know what I mean? It like has this lightheartedness and you're just yeah. like, this is bizarre. Yeah, it's like a thing that your neighbor would say. Like, could you imagine if your neighbor was like, hey, can I watch y'all have sex? <laughs> it's awful. And like, even like when Lisa is just like, I had sex with an aunt or her. <laughs> it's like, I've got like one of those kinds of mothers that we like talk like candidly with each mm-hmm. other, you know, which is like why I'm insane. Yeah. But <laughs> even I wouldn't be like, mother, I had that man like it's like girl and then she's like let's go shopping i'm tired like it's like what <laughs> and your mom's like i got breast cancer uh <laughs> the it's the best part of the movie oh, it's so good because she's like oh you'll get better you'll get better you're fine never brought up again <laughs> best part of- that's all that's what i love about this movie is that every- no none of the scenes 
actually connect to each other. No. And it is scenes, fully like 21 vignettes. Scenes repeat themselves over and over again. And dialogue, like we kind of were joking about earlier, repeats itself. It's just like a lot mm-hmm. of like, what? What? Talk about it. <laughs> I think Lisa says, I don't want to talk about it like uh, 20 times in the movie. So much. That's and then she proceeds to talk about it. <laughs> Which is very gay, actually. I know we're not in the section yet. But we're not there yet. Behavior. It's gay. It's gay, mama. Gay men are like the king, queens, sorry, of yes. being like, I don't want to talk about it. And then, like, you wait like five seconds, and then you're like, but, well, I mean, girl. it's just like, girl, like, I don't know. I love Pride Month. Um, before we get to gay people, why, why do you think straight people would love this? I mean, it's one of the, it's so bad, it's good. And I feel like that's like, I feel like it's like women talk like this, men talk like this, but like gays love camp. Right. Straights love so bad it's good. Yeah, it, it's so weird. And I think it, this is when it gets into like critical theory, I think. And yes. I, we're not going to go there, but it's like, what is the difference between camp and so bad it's good? I think for me, it's like both types of movies are meant, they're meant to be good, right? Yes. Yes. With camp, I guess it's like maybe there's a kind of self-reflexive kind of like there's like an irony there. Yes. Like it's like it's meant to be like they know it's silly, but Mm. maybe I don't know. My thing with my definition of camp always has been it's a movie that knows it's meant to be laughed at, but doesn't know it's funny. Whereas so bad it's good movies uh, I feel like you, you are making fun of it the the onus is on the audience whereas like there's more of a conversation between the movie and the the viewer in camp you like very generally here <laughs> sorry everyone but it's like generally I feel like straight people like don't know when they're acting a fool like that's the greatest thing about straight men I think is they're like mm-hmm. they're law like they don't know like no, it's no. like someone has to tell them like you're being an idiot right now and they're yeah. like I am <laughs> yeah well, like, look at big, like, big, big camp, yeah, <laughs> big, like, gay camp classics. Like, go back to, like, uh, Baby Jane. Right, or, like, like, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Beyond the like. Valley of the Dolls, Rocky Horror, which we'll get into. But it's, like, th- these are movies that are extravagant and over the top. Um, and we're, we're almost, like, punching up to them. Um, right, right. There's, there's a style there. Like, it's, like, they mm-hmm. know it's meant to be silly, I think. Yeah. I think that maybe what camp is is it's like things that are trying to be high art ending up being more low art yes uh like that i mean like my i know we we had differing opinions on it but like burlesque where it's like that's a movie that's like i'm gonna be trying to be a musical about a burlesque and try to be making it in the stars this is where we're gonna argue a little bit dylan because i think the issue with movies like burlesque and like a lot of modern day camp movies is they're Uh trying too hard to be camp Yes. Like, I feel like old ones, like, weren't necessarily, like, privy to, like, oh, we're trying to be campy. I feel like my issue with these newer ones is they're tr- literally trying to be campy. They're influenced by camp movies. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think with, like, Burlesque specifically, like, the the appearance of Cher it is a double-edged sword. Because it's like, she's a fucking Oscar winner. Can't do it. But it's also, like, it's Cher. Like, whatever you have Cher in, it's not going to be, you know it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I think what I think what it is is it's like even though these movies are like can't be ridiculous, it's like when you watch like something like Female Trouble, it's like there's they're they're trying to say something. Yeah, it's like fun and it's like in a fun package, but it's like there's actual like content there, and I feel like with mm-hmm. burlesque, it's like it really it's is so just, empty. It's just a Star Is Born or Showgirls like style 
story, but there's nothing like it's not trying to say anything. We love Batman and Robin, for example, and that movie's vapid uh, as hell. But because yes, we grew up is. with it, we love it. You know exactly. I think burlesque is some. I think it is a new a new take on camp. Uh, and actually, I think it is like a, kind of a nice transition period, transition movie rather, of like straight so bad it's good and gay camp. I think it's like actually it's a very bisexual movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's actually a really good point, Dylan. I think that they're coalescing a lot more. Yes. Because I think that, but it's so weird because I feel like straight guys that like really like want to watch like these so bad it's good movies, they don't watch Showgirls. They're gonna they watch don't Showgirls. watch no. Valley of the Dolls. Like they don't, they're not interested in that kind of stuff. And I find it really fascinating. I think one of my biggest like things where it's like with my like straight cinephile friends and I find it really fascinating that they're so not into camp yet they're into the so bad it's good movies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what about this is so much more entertaining for you than something like Showgirls, you know? Well, I think there is kind of like a like a subtle language. It's almost like a language barrier almost. I think it is too. Because yeah. I get that that's what happens with us, right? Yeah. Like it's like love Miami connection. Mm-hmm. More after he explained why he loves it so much. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, that if you haven't read it, go to movieclub.com. Yes, go to our movie club website essay. and read this great essay. But I think for me, it's like th- that's that language you're talking about. It's like he really connects to that sort of bad movie. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's like it wasn't an instantaneous thing. But like yes. once I got more context, I was like, okay, I can like see why like people find value in this kind of movie. Yeah, you like, know, like I I think. Like a gay person, like it's going back to like a burlesque as an example, like a straight person wouldn't find the humor in uh, Cher making up Christina Aguilera in full beat with one makeup brush in two minutes. Like, because they wouldn't have the context for it. And also, they're not going to like care about Cher or care about Christina no. Aguilera the way we exactly. do. And <laughs> Bionic era Christina Aguilera. I, yeah, it's so it's so fascinating to me. But it's also like the same thing as like you know, and, I'm, and this is a call out post, but it's like it's also like the same thing with like trying to get your straight friends to just watch a gay movie. Period. Like forget mm-hmm. like camp. It's hard. Like it's like girl. Like I can't even get my friends to watch Moonlight. No, I want Best Picture, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's an Oscar winner. Um, you know, I and it's like I feel like share. I feel like it, camp is like it, it is sort of gay. Like I, they just don't get it. I really yeah, think you hit the nail on yeah. the head. I think it's just they just don't. There's something about the pleasure. Of like pre- things that just mm-hmm. just doesn't resonate with a lot of straight men. Straight women, a lot of times it does, but not mm-hmm. straight men. Well, uh, Stephanie, this is a very movie club heavy episode, but Stephanie brought has brought two camp classics in our movie club: Batman and Robin and Death Becomes Her. Yeah, and I think it was a really interesting um, sociological dive into like the uh, shared brain space of straight women and gay men. Totally, I think it's a similar sense of humor, and mm-hmm. it's like. I feel like straight men like really do get caught, like I don't like like a lawful good thing. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Where it's <laughs> like they 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 like seeing bad like stupid characters that are just like guys that are trying to do the right thing, like something like Miami Connection or something yeah. like um or or the Room even. Like it's like yeah, you're supposed to root for this guy to a certain degree, right? <laughs> yeah, we like, want to see I... Elizabeth Berkeley, who's the biggest brat on the planet in Showgirls, win. You know, we want to see Julianne Moore get thrown through a greenhouse roof. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I got into uh, I might cut this out. I might not. Who cares? Uh, but I got in trouble with somebody in the improv community for saying that my favorite genre of movie was bitches fighting. Really? Yeah, I know. And I was like, no, that is a compliment of the highest order. Um, now to our second bulletin about what straight people love. Uh, I think the Alamo Draft House. She's straight. She's straight I know. Home. It's like I love her. 
love Harvest She's Straight. At the end of the day, that whole kind of was born out of yeah, the Alamo Draft House. I mean, mm-hmm. like or like it made, catapulted it into like a mainstream. A movie like The Disaster Artist wouldn't have been made without Alamo Draft House. No. Let's just say that. Yeah, uh, about having like institutional support and having these sort of like events. We can, uh, of course, is a uh, exception to the rule that we'll get into, but the draft and. This, the thing with the draft house is that it used to be like weird. Like I would say like neutral. It used to not be queer, but it was a lot of like Terror Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. A bunch of weird shit weird there. Wednesday. Weird Wednesdays. Yeah. Love that. Um, my San Antonio draft house, my beloved San Antonio draft house said Trauma Tuesday. So that's how I saw all these trauma movies. They would do secret Oscar screenings. And I mean, now they still do like, like I go to that drag brunch and they used to do that all the time. They would show like best little whorehouse in Texas and shit like that. Right. And like Louisiana would host it. Um, but now it's like, I don't know. It just feels so, uh, if it, I'm, it's always the example, but it's like, let's go fucking bring the, the kids down from Cedar Park to go watch the Goonies. Yeah. I mean, that's what always happens with institutions like this, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. We're lucky in Austin. I can't speak for the rest of the states with their Alamo draft houses, but at least I feel like the Lamar location like uh-huh. there was this series that was being done called Cherry Bomb that I really liked a lot where this mm-hmm. like a uh, programmer, I forget her name. She would like bring 35 millimeter prints of like forgotten, like female centric movies. And it's like, there is still that sort of stuff happening, but I do feel like it is being kind of phased out. And I am worried now post COVID how much of that stuff we're going to be yeah. seeing still. It's going gonna... to be much more corporatized. Cause it's like, I do agree that, like, a lot of their programming now tends to be a little bit more like, yeah, like the Goonies, Gremlins, like, you know, 80s mm-hmm. classics. And, like, Elf. you know, the, the, yeah, the usual suspects when it comes to, like, yeah. screenings. But you they know? can't show the usual suspects anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so, but it definitely still exists. You know, something, that, it's really funny. There was that same, you would show fucked up movies on Mondays. Hell yeah. Like, every Monday, once a month or something. And I saw with friend of the pot Harrison, the piano teacher on a Monday night. Mama. Okay. We talk about representation. This episode, we're talking about straightness and gayness. That is some asexual representation <laughs> or it'll that make you asexual. Will make you never want to be t- touched. <laughs> can we do that? Can we do it on the pod? No. no. Isabella Hubert. Okay. Isabella Hubert gay person. Maybe. No, can't do it. Immediately. Uh, um, but yeah, so it's just like, I know that stuff exists. I know that that one programmer exists. So thank you, whoever thank you. you are. I like what you bring to the table. But, True um, American hero. I'm trying to get my own film screening yes, you series are. off the ground. But I'm not going to, I'll just tease it for now. I'll, I'll yeah. announce it officially once I know that it's, you know, going to actually happen. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if you need someone to take over whenever you move to LA. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, we do talk about a lot how straight people love quote, quotes in movies. And this has some callbacks, of course. You got your famous, oh, hi, doggy. Mm-hmm. You got, um, you got Ohio Mark, two Ohio's. Um, I definitely have breast cancer. That's a fave of the pod. Yes. And then most famously, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. You're tearing me apart. Tearing me. My, uh, I mean, my favorite thing about the movie is the spoons. Is have you ever seen it in a theater? No, but I. Oh, it's fun in a theater. Yeah. So there's like a framed picture of a spoon in the back, and you throw spoons at the screen, and there's like thousands of spoons, and then uh, they drink scotch co, which is half vodka and half scotch. That is like literally like he, ob- he obviously has never drank before. Never drank either. either. Oh, he's never uh, had sex and he's never drank alcohol. Look, every day is Sunday school for this bitch. Mark, his name is Mark. Tommy was so. He's learning about human beings while making the movie. It's like yes, under the is. skin. Uh, oh. <laughs> is the room a sequel or prequel to Under the Skin? I think so. 
that we saw that. That's, that we that's, that's, how we, that's the gay movie recommendation. Is there you go. Skin. Under the skin. <laughs> uh, that's what happens whenever after he. Oh, no, they both kind of in the same way. Um, this movie has misogyny in it. Of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, but it's so clearly like an it's hour like, and a half cry into the void about how a woman broke his heart. And a woman hurt me. He does does not. He pulls out all the stops, baby. Mm-hmm. Like, and all the um, women are mani- are like all the other women are like, see him for who he is. This is a beautiful angel. Oh my god, I fucking love her friend being like, "Oh my god, like what do you even do, Lisa?" <laughs> She's oh my so god, Johnny's good. gonna find out, Lisa. <laughs> like, what are you I love whenever Lisa's like, "He hit me," and then she's like, "Oh no," she's like, "I'm gonna break up with him." She's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this movie is so good. It's so good. Um, and then finally. Drinking red wine out of incorrect glassware. Girl, yeah. Straight. Absolutely. Not in my house. Not in my house. We have two different sized wine glasses. And then we also have some, uh, we got short and tall boys. I don't know. Ones for guests. Stimless ones for guests. We got, we got Yeti ones. That's actually pretty straight of us. Now it was in our registry. Um, also, if you listen to the pod and you want to contribute to my registry because I'm going to Primavera Sound next month or next month, next year, and you want to drop a few bucks in there so I can buy a business class. Yeah, remember, it's, it's Pride Instagram. Month, people, so we want to see it's some Pride money month. in our pocket. Money. I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos of American Airlines, um, their business class seats and how they work today. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Like a lunatic. We, we're flying out in over a year. We will. The festival starts in literally one year. Well, I um, buy my plane tickets to go to pitch for. Uh, uh, same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, we're going to wait till after we get married. Um, I'm so excited for that. We, we only got Friday and Sunday, but I think we're going to buy Saturday, too. <laughs> we're going to go all three days. The only person I want to see is Bart Hugh Strange and Amory. I love Amory. Yeah. That was, so when I was, listening, I was like, is this African Grimes? This is fucking awesome. Yeah. That album was really cool. I really like it. It's so cool. It's, and it's also lossless. Um, oh, oh it's yeah. So it feels good because I've been an Apple Music user for a while now, and I feel like everyone's always like, oh, you know what I'm modifying? You can't do the end of the year things. They can't tell you like what random genre of music you like the most. And Kirk, you're like, it's dream pop. Why do I need to know this? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I already. <laughs> um, and then to, the other day, they made everything lossless or almost everything oh. lossless. Some of it's high res. I listened to some of garbage's self-titled album, mm. high res lossless girl. Girl. It was I amazing. To <sighs> Stephanie Germanotta's paparazzi. It sounds like a different song. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. Amazing. But apparently uh. Spotify is also like trying to do it now. Yeah. So. But it's going to suck. Them. It's going to be bad. Yeah, um, is there anything gay about this movie? Yeah. I, I mean, it, I think so. Oh, we talked, we loved a lot about this movie. I think San Francisco is gay. It's, Set in San Francisco. San Francisco before like 2008 is gay. So, yes. Yes. Um, Lisa breaking up with Johnny because she's bored. <laughs> That's gay, girl. That's so gay, girl. Um, I think hubris is gay. Yeah, I think it's gay too. I think that like I know that straight men can uh, tend to have a lot of hubris, but I think that like going as far as Tommy did on this on this project, it's gay. Yeah, he's Look, got a little gay man in him somewhere. Somewhere, and somewhere deep down in the repressed. Deep, deep, deep repressed. Well, he's never had sex, so who knows? We don't know. We can change him. <laughs> Tommy oh, had yeah, sex I'd with like us. A special shout out to the part when that guy was like, oh, I left my underwear <laughs> after we hooked up in y'all's apartment. <laughs> and Lisa's mom somehow got his underwear and then was yeah. showing everybody the Beautiful. underwear. 
I think that like Tommy's influences are gay too. He doesn't get gayer than a chamber play, honey. <laughs> and I think that in the, in the movie's a chamber play. It really is. Uh, I love him. Um, and now we're at to our favorite uh, section of the week. It's our gay recommendation corner where we recommend a Woo! movie that is gay. If you watched this movie and you went, mm, this needs to be a little faggier. Um, I mean, the classic is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Like, if you want a movie that is literally only works with other people slash in a theater, um, that invented uh, callbacks. Do you know where the first uh, outside of New York and LA a megaplex that did Rocky Horror Midnight Screenings was? Austin, Texas on Riverside, Mama. Yes, yes, legendary. And then, like, I think the one. So, um, side story. I will. I will not cut this out. Uh, <laughs> ever since I've been made aware that I say I'm going to cut this out, but yet don't. <laughs> I've been very self conscious of it, but oh, I will continue to do it. Oh, we love it though. Oh, I will never stop. Um, but I will not cut this out. Um, so I used to work at the Alamo Draft House Village. I actually got fired from there once. That I'll tell in a different story, um, different podcast. But um, the Rocky Horror they did every week there was uh, the longest running one. I'm maybe in, definitely in Texas, but maybe in the country. But it had been going on since like the 80s. And when I, the, the draft house was in another theater beforehand. Um, but that, to work that show was punishment. Oh, like, really? You fucked up the week before, you would get Rocky Horror. Right, because it's like they started at midnight, right? It started at midnight. Um, they're messy as shit. No one orders food. No one tips because they're all like 19. Um, and then one time I actually waited on my ex-boyfriend <laughs> there <laughs> with his new boyfriend, which sucks because I had brought him to the Rocky Horror at that theater. <gasps> yes. Oh my Mama. God. It really is your Billy Joel, like deja vu moment. <laughs> it truly is. But yeah, it was truly that. And I was like, hi, Lewis. Lewis is not listening to this. Even if he is, please support us on Patreon. Uh, but <laughs> yes, but watch Rocky Horror. It's like truly, it's one of the all-time greats. It's a fantastic movie. One one of our brackets in the um, movie club. Yes. It's yeah, a- I, um, I love it. I actually saw one of the village performances when I first moved oh, to fun. Austin. I never oh. went again, which is so funny, but yeah. literally like the first weekend I was in Austin, I went with like, well, I went with my ex-boyfriend. We yeah. were not... <laughs> Like we were doing the classic gay thing where we were we were exes when we went with a oh, group yeah. of friends, because yeah. I like we moved to Austin together, um, but we had oh, broken no. up before we moved to Austin. Oh we no! Friends. So I did that like crazy thing that nineteen year olds do, where I was like, I mean, I have no friends, so we should like still be friends, and, <laughs> and we did that. That's where he goes to Rocky fucking horror, and then we went to Rocky Horror Picture Show with some friends. Um, but I like lied and said that I was like. Um, because I think that you have to, like, if you're a virgin, it's like, even if you've seen the movie before, you haven't seen it at a midnight screening, you're considered a virgin, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and I was like, no, I hate this. So like, no, I don't there. Because I get, I get really embarrassed. Like, I mean, like, yeah. my worst nightmare is being chosen as, like, an assistant for a magician show. Oh, like, hellscape, like, no. No. So, like, I don't do that. Um, And it was really fun, and I actually met somebody recently God, I don't remember. God, I'm really bad at remembering people, but I met someone that used to do that show for oh, years. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, and like literally has played every single character, which apparently hell is very yeah. normal. Like they were like, oh yeah, we all play like every character yeah. eventually. Um, Another Rocky so cool. Horror story. I don't know if this has been told. I don't know if Kyle told it whenever he was on here for Uncut Gems. Go listen to our Uncut Gems episode. It's very good. Um, But Kyle Romero, so we're from the same town or Kind of. I'm from the big city. He's from the small town around it. Mm. Um, I'm from Beaumont. He's from Orange. Um, but uh, I went to a stage play of Rocky Horror um, that turns out Kyle was riffraff in. 
like Ooh. yeah so i had seen him perform like years before we had met also i'm pretty sure that i had been to a land party that he had been to uh i'll tell a story off mic but um <laughs> but yeah i have seen friend of the show former guest and future guest kyle romero as riffraff in rocky horror in beaumont texas and that's was so fun, fun. Was fun. i love that I see it. rocky horror brings people together just like the yeah. room does and just like music it, you know music makes the people come together yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, um, so my gay wreck this week, I think it needs to be side of the gay community more, I think. Uh-huh. And Correct. that movie, which make it a sequel, I've heard soon. Oh my god, could you imagine that that's gonna be high camp. Yeah. No matter that, what it that is. That movie <laughs> is Spice World. Bitch. And here's why Spice World is because it's trying to be like a hard day's night. About the Spice Girls And it is awful It is amazing In every way It's amazing, it's campy It's stupid It's got fucking Richard E. Grant in it What else do you want from a movie? Nothing else It's ridiculous, it's also like made for children Like when you watch it as an adult You're like this is for 8 year olds Which makes sense because I watched it when I was 8 years old It's true It is um, enemy of the pod, Justin the Pussycats. Uh, watch, watch Spice World instead. Yeah, watch Spice World instead. Yeah, get yourself some cold. Yeah, go to England, fly to England, watch Spice World, and then last but not least, bitch. <laughs> it's really important to talk about because I think that there was a wave of bad movies in the 2000s that mm-hmm. all fit this bill. And I think that they, they were a lot of our age group's exposure to So Bad It's Good Movies. Yes. And that's going to be Bitches Fighting Movies. Bitches which Fighting is, Movies. And the queen of Bitches Fighting Movies is obsessed. Of fucking sex. With Beyonce <laughs> and Ali Larder. Idris Elba. <laughs> Idris Elba. Literally, I used to quote obsessed. Like, that's before I was out, which is like hilarious. It's like, <laughs> just the trailer. But my favorite part of obsessed is when at the very end, there's like the final blowout between Beyonce and Allie Larder. And she Incredible. goes, She goes, I thought, and Beyonce's so bad in it, but it's like amazing <laughs> how bad she is in it. But yes. she's like, She's like, I thought I told you to stay away from my child. And she like smacks her. She's like, I thought I told you to stay away from my husband. <laughs> I thought I told you to stay away from my house. And it's beautiful, so good. It's so good. It's art. It's art. Uh, it's so crazy because all of her albums are so cinematic. I mean, like the the past three have been so cinematic, and then no, she's just, she's amazing. I'm not yeah. arguing that, but like when, when she's acting, <laughs> she girl. she got nominated. That is That's literally insanity. heresy. She's insanity. so bad in it. Did y'all see Dreamgirls? <laughs> it is. Oh my God. There's this uh, friend of the pod, Austin, who every time I talk about Showgirls, he thinks I'm talking about Dreamgirls. It's <laughs> happened like three times now. It's so funny. I'll be like, oh my God, like Showgirls is like the best movie ever because I'm like a huge Showgirl stan. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh my God. Jennifer Hudson in that movie. <laughs> and I'm always like, wait, what? And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm not Showgirls. He's like, yeah, Showgirls. And I'm like, that's Dreamgirls, honey. Dreamgirls. And he goes, oh. Oh, yeah. He's like, I don't know what showgirls is. <laughs> no, I want to so do, I want to do listen at karaoke. That should, that's an is that, that's is that a, the song she wrote originally for Dream Yeah, Girls? let's listen. I am alone in a crossroad. I think I my favorite home. song, like underrated, like, okay. So Beyonce's first single as a solo uh-huh. artist was actually for the Austin Powers and Goldmember soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, God, I forget what the song is called. 
like jangly, like fucking funk guitar sample. Oh my god, what is that song called? But I feel like I, I literally will bring it up to Beyonce fans, and they like and don't like, know what I'm talking about. See, was it called Work It Out? Yeah, Work It Out. All right. It was a top ten hit in UK, Norway, and Belgium. There you go. That was the issue right there, and it was a failed single. And I love that. Like, it's like we all start somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Look, yeah. And the song is bomb. It's so good. I, that's what I wish That's my like I don't want to like Tell Beyonce what direction She should go into Because you know, What do I know I'm not Beyonce I wish Beyonce Would make tacky ass music again I agree I mean I love that She really showed us Like what's up But at the same time It's like I kind of liked When she just kind of Did whatever produ- Yeah Oh my Look I want I want Ring the Alarm again I want I video phone I love the Ring the Alarm Ring the Alarm Mama like whenever she did that song with Jack White and Lemonade, I was like, "Oh, finally another ring of the alarm." Video phone's so good. That has I love it because of <laughs> because of Gaga when she goes hubba hubba, <laughs> and like in the, in that remix with Gaga, it's like video phone. <laughs> like Gaga's like video phone. It's so funny. It's, it's so like, funny. What? Like, in taking what? Gaga out of her element is so funny. <laughs> It, it's really crazy to think that Gaga originally was gonna be the uh, in the remix of a of uh, "Don't Feel My Vibe." <laughs> Imagine the world like COVID wouldn't have happened. No, it wouldn't have happened. That would have changed everything. Yeah. He wouldn't have gotten a nine point five. He'd have gotten a ten point oh. I think that's the end of the episode. Yeah, God, we really popped off, didn't we? Y'all are gonna You're miss gonna that last all ten that minutes stuff on Beyonce. Yeah, you'll never. I don't hear. need to have any more twinks come for me about Beyonce. No more, please. It's, it's, I'm too old. Oh my God, I can't wait for her to have a flop album. I'm sure to do it with the Carters, but um. Oh, the Carters was. What a flop! Does anyone remember the Carters? Anyone? You know what's really funny? I feel like an album that was like a huge thing and then it like kind of was forgotten is that Jay-Z and Kanye album, Watch the Throne. I feel Watch like the everyone th- loved that album <laughs> and no one talks about it at all anymore. I, it's so weird. Well, because it's like Paris is like the first time I heard Paris, I was like, I'm I'm in heaven. This is the greatest. This is. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's like the greatest song. Ever. I told you whenever I saw them live. right? I've told you that story. You saw like their tour, like joint tour. Oh, mama. I saw the very last show they ever did together. Wow, um, and it was in Austin. Um, it was two things that are insane about that show. One, it was the night that that guy drove into the crowd, um, and nice. so like toward the end of the show, I was getting a bunch of texts. I were like, "Hey, Dylan, are you alive right now?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, and like my mom calling me, she was like, "I thought you were dad," and I was like, "No, what?" Oh, but uh, it was so fucking scary. But they played Paris three times in a row. Oh my god! And they they would like did it the first time. And then started back up again, and then it was like ended the second time when Jay Z went, "Yeah, we're gonna do it again." Brum, 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 brum. And it was just like everyone so freaked good. out. It it's was a great so good. song. I think that even like Pitchfork didn't include it in their best songs of the decade. Insanity. List. And I was like, "What? That was such a like a moment." That was a monumental song. You know, they also didn't include and to just y'all don't if y'all want to talk about supporting the good girlies. There was no white long nose, no perfect pussy. Oh yeah. Well, like so. Um, what is that song? Oh my god! What is that song off the Perfect Pussy album that has the actual like title of the album in it? Um, oh, uh, Interference fits. Yes, Interference fits is top ten one of the best songs of the twenty tens. Incredible, incredible. That song is amazing. That song should be in a movie. That song yes. should be the end of a movie. Yes, Perfect Pussy. Their EP, their one, two, three, four. Um, incre- I slash one. 
I listened to that on the bus today, and, like, I was like, I want to go run into traffic, but, like, run alongside traffic. Like, I felt, like, a fucking alive when I heard that Dude, song. Dude, I feel like that whole moment, like, you mentioned White Long and Perfect Pussy. I feel like that whole moment is just disappeared, and everyone yeah. pretends like it didn't happen. Yep. It's like you had, like, Perfect Pussy. You had, like, Gloss. Um, Gloss. You had White Long. You had, um... I guess Bully was a little later, but similar mm-hmm. vibe. And there was that other band too, uh, Joanna Gruesome. Joanna Gruesome, yeah. And, and it's, it's just... like, and, and, and they were like Pitchfork. I feel like Pitchfork in the last decade, more than any other decade, has really just fucked people over. Mm-hmm. They will like build up these bands and then be like best new music, like first album out. And then after that, they're like, mm. never again. Like, never talking about it like again. Like a good, a good example of this, this is like pre-Perfect Pussy, but like Tune Yards, they didn't even review her new album. Isn't that insane? It's like you used to love this. Oh yeah. Now you don't even bother reviewing it. That's insanity. And it's, it's like, like good. The new it is good. good. I listened to some of it. I liked it. Yeah. I've liked every project they've done. I think it's yes. Good. <sighs> anyway, it's we're going weird. to Pitchfork Fest. Uh, yeah. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> I really hate recently where it's like you build up these albums like you're like doing interviews, like fucking mood boards, all this other thing, and then you're like seven point seven. Yes. I'm like, what the that's, fuck? Like they gave that new Japanese breakfast on the seven point eight, and I'm like, and that's wild. What? That's wild. It was and weird. It's their, so weird. I don't. Their get best it. new music this year has been really strange. It's been deranged. It's, been deranged. it's all been underground rap and jazz. Yeah, I don't care. I'm so tired. Honestly, okay. I promise. <laughs> I'm cutting. I literally am cutting all of this out. But uh, have you listened to the Holman's Wear album? Holman's Wear. It's called I, I Became Birds. Uh, it's like 16 minutes. It's a real short EP. Uh, this trans punk band in Florida, they made the best Neutral Milk Hotel album ever. It's, okay. neutral, it's neutral Milk Hotel meets like emo. It's emo Neutral Milk Hotel, but it's so okay. much fun. And it feels like, remember that summer when 1000 Gex came out and everyone was like, have you heard 100 Gex? Have you heard, have you yeah. heard 100 and everyone, like the people that heard it, like were so fucking excited at everything. It feels the same to me. Like I feel like oh, it, they're they're on. Okay. I, I'm getting the same vibe from it. So like I think there's get gonna on, be a get big in on turn. It now. Get on on it now. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Get on it now. What are they called again? A uh, home is where. Home is where. Yeah. Okay. They're incredible, okay, and it's easily my favorite album of the year. But that and Wild Pink, to like two of my favorite albums of the year. Um, but yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, that was we're at the end of the episode. That was deranged. We, I know I started at the beginning of that and said, you're never going to hear everything that I just cut out, but you're also never going to hear anything that I just cut out of that parentheses inside of parentheses. Mm-hmm. It was a secret. It is the room. Oh, my God. There's a room within a room, a door behind a door. Um, my name is Dylan Garcia. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Dylan Garcia <laughs> and then on Instagram and Letterboxd at Garcid. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and you can find me on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter at K-R-K-V-N-S-C-K-L-E. Woohoo! We oh, did it. Bitches. We talked about it in the room. This is objectively our longest episode we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to cut, like, literally 30 minutes. Okay, yeah, th- yeah, exactly. Um, and then, oh, I'm going to be on uh, um, Sister Pod uh, Night with the Stars soon. Yay, back on there Talking about Sky, Cap- Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, my God. An Cannot underrated wait. movie. Didn't underrated I use that as a gay wreck? I think you did. <laughs> wow. First Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Uh-huh. Ugh, Fantastic. Well, mind. Your mind. Everywhere. Love it. Um, all right. Well, we will see you on the other side. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. And now came talk. Wow. Talk. Talk.